Good morning, Vietnam! Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Time to rock it from the Delta to the DMZ. Is that meter? Does that sound like an Elvis Presley movie? Viva Da Nang! Da Nang me, Da Nang me, why don't you get a rope and hang me? Hey, is it a little too early for being that loud? Hey, too late. It's 0500. What's the O stand for? Oh my God, it's early. We're talking in the field today. <clears throat> Whoa. Sorry about that, guys. Sometimes I hit Vietnam flashbacks. Whew. Okay. Wow. All right, so we're back. So this is the Hyper Literature Presents podcast. Wow, can't believe I had a Nam flashback on the podcast. All right, so in this podcast, Hyper Literature will present Hank Cathy. Hank Cathy is a culinary arts coordinator from Fusebox Festival. The Fusebox Festival is a performance arts festival that takes place in Austin, Texas. And this year it's taking place from April 17th to April 28th. Now, Fusebox Festival is really unique in that it is a hybrid performance arts uh, festival. They take all types of artists, throw them together for an amazing festival. One of the most unique things about the Fusebox Festival is that they have a culinary branch to the festival where they invite artists from all different types of disciplines to collaborate with culinary artists, which in my head doesn't it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, you have these really great artistic performances coupled with culinary art, and it is just a wonderful, wonderful series. Um, so I had Hank Cathy sit down with us. Like I said, he is the uh, culinary arts coordinator for that portion of the Fusebox Festival. Some of the things that we discuss are some of the performances that we discuss in the podcast. Um, let me give you the dates for those because we didn't have those in front of us when we were recording. My internets were down. Um, so here we go. So the Fusebox Family Barbecue, that takes place on April 21st. Lord Winsydale's High Tea, I'm sorry, Lord Winsydale's Last High Tea, and Zen Songs and Prayer, uh, those both take place, or I'm sorry, Lord Winsydale's takes place on April 27th, and Zen Songs and Prayers takes place on April 28th. Then Night of the Tarantula, which is an event that we spend quite a bit of time talking about. It's making uh, its sophomore uh, debut at Fusebox. They, they did this last year, and it was amazing. So the Night of the Tarantula is April 14th, and then Pop, Sizzle, and Shatter, which is a collaboration between Graham Reynolds and Sonia Cote, is April 28th. Okay, so you can find all those dates on FuseboxFestival.com. That's F-U-S-E-B-O-X-F-E-S-T-I-V-A-L.com, front slash digestible feats. As Hank tells you in the podcast, a pass for Fusebox Festival gets you into all of the events, including the digestible feats. So please go to FuseboxFestival.com and buy your tickets now. You don't have a lot of time left. Uh, So this podcast is also going to be in conjunction with an article that I'm writing for Fusebox on uh, kind of a primer for attending Digestible Feeds events. So please make sure you check that out at the Fusebox Festival blog. Um, So this is Hyper Literature Presents, Hank Cathy from the Fusebox Festival, and as always, I'm Mark Gifford from Hyper Literature. Enjoy the podcast. I got a fricative for you. <laughs> I got your fricative right here, sibilance. <laughs> All right, so 
Uh, I've already got it started running, Hank. So I figured uh, we would take it like this. Maybe we could start talking about Fusebox and digestible feats in general. Okay. Maybe talk about some of the experiences from last year. I okay. have some questions for you about last year, and you can tell everybody about this year. Sure. Um, and then eventually, probably on next Tuesday, I'm going to write an article, what I would like to call the digestible feats primer, because I, okay. I, I, I feel like I want to tell people how I think that uh, – they should approach it. I think that's good. Okay. I like it. Um, so tell us a little bit about Fusebox and how you got involved, I guess. I don't even know this. So, Well, uh, Ron Barry, the artistic director of Fusebox, is a, an old friend of mine. And uh, he and I had been uh, uh, going on many uh, culinary adventures over the years in particular had started going around all the craft cocktail bars in Austin. And we'd even come up with this judging sheet and we were... Yeah, deciding who had the best this and that. It was it was very elaborate and a lot of fun, and uh, and of course it led to lots of. We would always talk about the festival and and uh, of course food and drink. But then Ron had this idea to put together these collaborations between culinary artists and artists from other mediums, and he came to me and asked me to help with it. And so and the Fusebox Festival was already was yeah. already going at that point. Yeah, the Fusebox Festival is in its ninth year. This will be the third year for Digestible Feats. Oh, really? Okay. So I came in sophomore year then. That's right. Okay. How many events did you guys have on uh, in your first year? Mm. So I know last year there was maybe five. Is that right? I think that's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think the year before it was five, maybe seven. Um, and I think last year it stretched out to seven when you included the – we did some uh, cocktail hour sort right. of events with okay. special drinks and – but they weren't the collaborations in the same way that the other ones were. Okay. So the Fusebox Festival is kind of a I, – I, I have a hard time describing it to people because it's so so eclectic, I guess is the best mm-hmm. way to put it. But it's mm-hmm. kind of a, a mixed modal, mixed disciplinary art festival. We often refer to it as a hybrid arts festival. Okay. Yeah, which is that same sort of idea, right? Yeah. Many, many mediums. Um, there There is a – there, there is a lot of performance in it, but then there's also a lot of static arts as well. And, and okay. uh, yeah, yeah, and things like dancing, traditional theater, mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. all these things coming together. Mm-hmm. And then the digestible feats is what interests me so much about mm-hmm. the festival. I mean, that quite honestly, that's where my heart's at. Mine too. Um, <laughs> the digestible feats melt the culinary arts with what we would think of as traditional arts. Now, was that that's something, right. and I guess you answered that a moment ago, but that was something that Ron asked you to bring into the festival. That's right. That's right. Ron, Ron had already thought about this and established the series, uh, and had even had a couple of events. Um, and, uh, I, I don't, I, I assume that he just, you know, knew that I was the right man for the job and came for it. <laughs> He made, also, right, he made the I, right choice. I also suspect maybe Ron decided maybe I don't want to do one more thing. That's true. Ron a is a very other busy series. man. He's right. a very busy man. Well, uh, what, what were some of the things that when you started creating these events that you you tried to keep in the forefront of your mind? What were some of the things that you made it wanted to make sure that you presented to an audience that you wanted mm-hmm, the audience to experience mm-hmm. and that type of stuff? Well, one of the things that uh, that we sort that we used as a guiding principle, and it's more of a uh, principle of negation what we were not is that we were not just dinner music Mm. we weren't and and nothing i love the alamo but but also this idea of we're not just a a film is playing and then we're coming up with some dishes to go with it okay this idea of integration of real collaboration was crucial Mm. um because you do find food and other things around each other all the time 
yeah. but they're not necessarily interacting. The, the people who create them aren't really keeping each other in mind necessarily Okay. and creating whatever, you know, the, the musician hasn't tasted anything the chef has made, you know, and is creating a, an actual pairing of music and food I see. Uh, in, in that example. And, well, and maybe we need to take a step back or a step, I guess, sideways. Mm-hmm. So in my head, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I know this is entirely subjective, but in my head, I would consider something to be art mm-hmm. if it causes you to pause and really question or really contemplate the human existence in whatever form that might be. So in my head, art can be just about anything that causes you to pause and think, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. human, I'm here, what does that mm-hmm. mean for me? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one of the challenges, or at least I would imagine one of the challenges is that food and drink is so – inextricably linked to just sustenance mm-hmm. or this is what I do when I'm bored mm-hmm. in our culture mm-hmm. that I would imagine it would be a challenge to bring that to an audience and tell them to calm down. This is not a drive through. This is not munchies at a cocktail hour. This is art. Well, it's, uh, it is true that, uh, that food and drink are inextricably, uh, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, so sustenance is a big part of it, but the lucky thing is that, it's also integral to the way we celebrate hmm. the wonderful things, how we commemorate, memorialize, how we fall in love. There are these other things that it's tied into very closely that it's essential to. Um, I, I feel like the <laughs> vast majority of the most important things in the world happen around a table. Hmm. Um, so that's easy to connect with, okay. with people. They, they get that. They understand that there are special moments uh, around the table. And, um, so I think we do trigger in, tr- trigger a lot of those responses in people. There are some issues of, of, uh, I think when it comes to pricing, especially, you know, uh, and value, you get a lot of the sort of sustenance feeling for some people. It's like, well, why am I paying for this? It's just food. And, um, and I, <laughs> actually the pricing is very, uh, you, you hear that mainly from people who are used to paying $15 to see a play, not people who are used to paying $125 to have a tasting menu. Right. Our stuff is actually priced very well for them. They're, yeah. they're usually amazed right. at, how, at how cheap it is. Yeah. Um, but, but there is the, I do think that idea of sustenance comes in, comes in sometimes with how much people are willing to pay for, for these sorts of events. Um, you know, in Austin, I think also a lot of, and, and, and I think it also ties in with the fact that food is often, not subsidized, but art usually is. People are used to seeing that stuff for free in a lot of cases or super cheap. I never cheap. thought of that, yeah. You know, you're never, when you walk into a play and you paid $15, $20, you're never actually paying your share of it. Right. It's subsidized to, you know, there have been all these people working for all these months. And capital, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. It's subsidized in these different ways. And so that gets mixed in there too with how, how valuable it is. And I don't know if this is the most interesting part of it. This is pretty behind the scenes. <laughs> it's fascinating to me though. It's fascinating to me. And, and, and I think one of the other things too, that, um, that's so interesting. And we talked about this, we talked about this a little bit at the restaurant earlier is seeing mm-hmm. people at these events and really having that spark of like, mm-hmm. I get mm-hmm. it. That that means something to me now. That mm-hmm. that that means something. I, I remember a friend of mine we brought to uh, Bottled and Bond. 
And wonderful show. What yeah. a great event. And I think a lot. This is a great example because I think a lot of people had really revelatory experiences there. Absolutely. So for those for those people who don't know what Bottled and Bond is, can you mm-hmm. describe it really quickly for us? Sure. It's a collaboration between Jason Stevens, a bartender, and Stephen Moore, a playwright here with uh, with Physical Plant Theater, and also Zebel West, uh, playwright and uh, and performer. And they got together and they created a, a, a noir piece that integrated cocktails with the action and with the, the ideas and the emotions in the show. The name of the show, the, the full title is Bottled in Bond, The Decline and Fall of a Thug as Told in Five Drinks. And um, it progressed from the celebratory, you know, so decline and fall, noir, it's going to go bad. Uh, and so there's this this whole action of this this person's fall into just you know it's a terrible person and <laughs> <laughs> just a terrible person but you know there's redemption all that stuff but in a fun but, way but in a really fun way in a fun, yeah, absolutely yeah. Um, but so the drinks then would progress from this initial celebratory drink all the way down to just a shot of rye whiskey in the end and. You know, everything in between. It was, I, I think, um, I, I know a lot of people were really impressed by the way the cocktails informed their experience of it. And not just through intoxication, but also through a real meshing of the senses into this event. And I think that goes, and, and that's what I was hoping to get into. And that, and that, I think, goes back to my point a few moments ago was that in my head, as an artist, I think it would be a hard, hard it would be difficult. There would be a challenge to make sure that everyone, okay, each one of these de- drinks was p- specifically designed for this event mm-hmm. to kind of evoke certain emotions. Mm-hmm. And that was that was at a performance where I could literally see that happen in mm-hmm. each person. And that was yeah. such a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, it, I agree. That, that show was a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah, and part of it. Jason and Zeb, who were most of that, that's actually who you interacted with mainly on the floor, are both so hospitable mm. and so so fantastic with people that I think it was very easy for, for people to fall into the action and really get engaged with the surroundings, with this feeling of the action and the drinks. And yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was very welcoming. It, yeah, it absolutely was. And I think it provided an aspect of the narrative that was never there before in any, any, mm-hmm. any performance I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you think about the experience, or at least if I think about experiences in my life, a lot of the most emotional ones are coupled with either food or drink. Mm-hmm. So when bad things happen, I can remember in the past, I can remember the taste of a Marlboro cigarette when I, after Absolutely. I have been crying. Absolutely. I can remember that taste. Right. And so those senses, those mm-hmm. senses are hardwired into us. Mm-hmm. And I'd never experienced that before with a narrative. You know, as an English mm-hmm. nerd, never experienced that before. Right. And so to have that experience, I think, is so, so awesome. Yeah, I I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sort of the benefit of this whole thing is that I get to put together events that I really want to go see. So, of course, I love it. <laughs> so I, you know, that's that, that's my whole compass for this. <laughs> that brings up another question, then. How do you vet which ones get get put into the festival? Do you have people coming to you and... Basically, proposing ideas, there's, auditioning, so to say. You know, there's some of that. There, that's less uh, often. That happens less often than I'm talking to someone and they want to be involved. You know, so for instance, bottled in bond. 
started with me approaching Steve Moore and saying, you know, I'd love to, for you to be involved. This is what we're doing. Does anything strike your fancy? Like, what does that make you mm. think of? What Does that excite you in, in one direction or another? And he started talking about uh, this idea of writing, that he had been wanting to write a noir uh, show and that maybe we could find a way to, to set this in a bar. And I said, oh, you know, I know the guy that's just right for this. You know, he's got this really... Uh, um, he he, he understands... Sorry, to rewind. Part of it is that in the noir piece, there's a specific time. There's a There was a specific time in American history that, that this was going to be set in. Right. So part of what we needed in a bartender, in a collaborator, and in this case I felt like this bartender was going to be right, was a sense of the history of cocktails and what fits into a bar in the 40s, you know, and, and um, you know, what would people have been celebrating with. And, and part of what was interesting about that was it meant that the cocktail, the array of cocktails that people tasted were, were not usually things they had ever had before. Mm. They were from another time. Yeah. And, and thus, you know, sort of cementing or, or anchoring the piece in that otherworldliness, that other timeliness. Uh, but so, yeah, uh, and, and we ran over to the Tigris where Jason was working, and he wasn't working that night, but we looked around. and But, yeah, once they met and talked, it became clear. I certainly trusted each of them that whatever they came up with, it was going to be great. I, I really respect both of them. and, and So was that if, pretty hands-off on your part? You just yes. put the players in action and let them go? That is typically exactly what happens. Okay. Um, it's more about finding the right right collaborators. Um, although sometimes, you know, this next year, I've been talking to Shannon McCormick about a piece, and that's more of something he, he was inspired to, um, to create this event, and it and seemed like it would fit with the Digestible Feats series, and it does, and, you know, he, he's, he's uh, uh, going to try to put something together with Paul Key, and uh, we're very excited about that, but but that's something where someone came to me, and you know I think the more the longer we do the series, the more that will happen. Hmm. Who's sitting around thinking, oh, how can I collaborate? You know what what guitarist is sitting around thinking, oh, how can I collaborate with a, a new American farm to table chef? <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's just not happening. Uh, I, I, but it will. It is. I mean, it is happening. What? That interests me then, and this is this is something that I'm and I'm curious about. Have you had problems? Not necessarily problems, but has it been one of those things where you've had to? I don't even know how to phrase this question. Have there been culinary artists mm-hmm. who didn't think of themselves as artists? Because in my mind, Jason Stevens is co-writer of that narrative, Bottled and Bond. Absolutely. In I, my I'm mind, he is a co-writer on that. Granted, not in the traditional sense. That's right. But, but in co-writer. terms of the general narrative, mm-hmm. he, he is an influencer. He is a creator of it. Have you had trouble having them see themselves as that? Well, um, I've never heard anyone say anything like that outright, but I do feel like, and, and this is, I do feel like I've been in meetings where the collaborators from the non-culinary world have a much clearer sense of what it means to collaborate, mm. you know, in this way, in this way of creating, uh, I don't, I don't even know what, creating an event, you know, and not just a food and drink event, but an aesthetic event beyond that, right? That sure. Clu- and, and yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of the right way to put it. <laughs> um, 
Whereas the, the culinary artists, it takes a little bit longer for them to realize they get to do anything that in, in the way that some of the other medium, the people from the other mediums, they already know that, right? They're used to that sort of thing. They're a dancer. Maybe they've collaborated with a theater company before, and they understand the idea of sitting down and talking and actually coming up with the idea together. Whereas it has been a few times it's the culinary artists where they're like, oh, well, so what do you want me to make to go with this? It's like, oh, no, no. No, maybe you won't make anything. So there is some of that. And I think there's good reason. You know, these these are people who are working every day. Sure, there's a very right? practical there, and economical a, reason for it. Absolutely. Right. It completely makes sense. They do not even though I think they're they're extraordinarily creative, you know, a lot of their work is creating a menu that works for whoever might walk into the restaurant mm. that can be consistent. They have all of these uh commercial things to deal with that you know, for good or ill, and I know a lot of artists would say for ill because they'd like to have a steady job right. doing what they do. A lot of these other artists don't have that that sort of commercial underpinning to what they're doing. And there um, does seem to be, at least um, at least in my head, in non-culinary arts, there does seem to be this, this is my art. Mm-hmm. If you don't care for it, you don't have to experience it or, what, or whatever. Right. Uh, I don't think culinary artists have that luxury. Um, some do, you know, you do get to the higher echelon uh, where, uh, okay. where, yeah, you, Eric repair can do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. You like it or you go, you know, boop yourself. Yeah. I beat that. He didn't. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I do have it listed as explicit in iTunes. So we're good. Good. Uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well then you can go fuck yourself. There you go. Uh, and, and I think that, and I've met chefs who have a tinge of that, but you're right at the heart of it. People got to come in, and people got to be happy. And, and I, I have never met a chef or a bartender who didn't want that. Yeah, you know, that's part of why they go into that that field is because they like that feeling of I would assume encouraging it, people to feel happy. Absolutely, <laughs> you know? and as that's an what they do. Armchair chef, you know, uh-huh. as uh-huh. an armchair chef, that instant gratification when you have a party or you have people over and you've created something and they are immediately happy with mm-hmm. it. That is, that's a lovely, lovely feeling. Yeah. And and I would again think that there are some artists who would be. This is my art. Mm-hmm. I'm a very serious artist. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, from a culinary standpoint, please like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's a bit to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. Uh, um, you're feeding people. And yeah. That carries with it. I, I don't know. I realize that all I've just said is the actual action, but I feel like it carries with it all these implications of of. Uh, caring for someone you Absolutely. Know, it's a it's a different thing than making a painting like cooking is cooking for right yes you know it's that that person at the other end is essential what's what's cooking for if there's no one there eating it and enjoying it absolutely which not to say that i don't know it's it's hard it's easy for me to romanticize the uh the world of food and drink because you know I but that's your it. job though quite honestly <laughs> well right maybe so maybe yeah. so um, one of the other events that I – it was probably my favorite from last year was mm-hmm. the was the Sweet Betrayal. I think that was the name of the piece. Is that right? That was at Salvage right. Vanguard Theater? That's right. In my head, that was the the perfect piece. And and I will admit something else to you, and, mm-hmm. and, and you can scold me if you like. Okay. I was, uh, I was disappointed in the audience for that one. I, and, I, uh, I think we've talked about this, yes. Um, and um, that was one of those where I had to um, – I had to take a, a moment for myself and say, 
And this is, they're experiencing it like they want to experience it. Right. I need to experience it the way that I want to experience. Right. And not to begin teaching. Because right. I felt like there was a moment there when we needed to have a conversation about how to experience a fucking event. Because they were oh. um, I was right. my heart broke with that one, Hank. Because yeah. that was in a wonderful, wonderful experience and performance. Well, of course, I you know for me, each person's contra- you know uh, so those three people, uh, David oh, Fruchter, lo- oh so uh, wonderful, yeah. Uh, uh, God, I always want to call her Casey Danger, but Casey Beeler, and then Jody Elliott. All to me, like these are three people. They're awesome. They're just awesome people. Each of their contributions was crucial oh. to, I think, a high, you know, a really wonderful experience Vital. of it. Yeah. And yet, I, I also felt like perhaps there were some people who just saw it as four tables with free dessert on it, and that's going to happen, you know. And I hope they enjoyed the dessert. And I think you're you're right. Like you just got to let it is a choose your own adventure. Yeah. Some people, yeah, they want to. They want some pudding. Yeah, it's good, and that's fine. You know, I, I do think I do think that uh, Jody's work uh, stands on its own, but it's it's very much enriched with the you know the whole thing. If you can engage with the text, if you can engage with the the painting, if you can engage with the desserts as a as a whole, yeah, there will be there, there's a there's a potential for profundity there. Absolutely, right, and. I- uh, yeah. And for for me, and I guess we should describe the event for those people who didn't experience it. <laughs> so it was at Salvage Vanguard Theater. It was in the mm-hmm. foyer of of the theater, mm-hmm. and there were it was a four tables. Mm-hmm. There were four tables set up, mm-hmm. and the the performance piece was a fight had occurred between, or a relationship had occurred. A relationship. Had a relationship. Occurred. Had occurred. Oh, tomato, tomato. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so each table captured a moment mm-hmm. from that relationship in both mm-hmm. narrative form. So mm-hmm. there were. There were printed pieces mm-hmm. that had been written out, and then there were there were props on each table. Yes, and then there were desserts on each table, and the desserts right. were supposed to capture the the emotion from that. Right, right. That one, and I am I'm not exaggerating. That one almost brought me to tears. There were certain moments where yeah. it was that emotional for me. Yeah, and again, I felt like I was. Uh, I really wanted to make everyone stop. Um, <laughs> Take it a little slower. I did because pay I pay attention to all the elements. And... Because it was like you said, a choose your own adventure. Yeah. There was no there were there were no directions about which table to go to. That's right. There were no there was really no instruction for it. And That's so right. There was a moment where it clicked in my mind. This is this is the route I need to take. Mm-hmm. And I went from table to table, mm-hmm. read each one of those slowly, and it was. Every fight I'd ever had came back. Uh, yeah. Every crushing <laughs> moment that I've ever felt, it was, right. it was phenomenal. So did uh, one of the underpinning elements to both the narrative, the, the the narrative is not the right word, the writing as well as the desserts was this idea of uh, um, sweet plus. Mm-hmm. So sweet and one of the other uh, taste, taste senses. So sweet and sour, sweet and bitter, bitter, sweet and savory, sweet and umami, I mean, and uh, uh, sweet and salt. So that was part of this sort of, I I think, an interesting way to explore desserts, Mm. you know, (laughs) because suddenly if it's sweet and, the actually the least important thing in the dessert is the sweet now. It's much more about expressing this difference between them and how do we... How do we temper sour with sweet? How do we mm. temper bitterness with sweet? While bitterness and sour are prominent, are you know powerful in the moment. Yeah. And I think that it's also a really interesting way to, uh, you know, to to create a story. Like if you have this under what an unusual and lovely 
sort of abstraction hmm. to use as the way to guide the writer right. you know, through a narrative. And I think it did. It felt like it did feel like a capturing of this sort of relationship aggression, and uh, which is often sweet, <laughs> tempering any number of other feelings. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it was one of those where it made me stop, and I had to take kind of a break because yeah. it was just. Lee and I have talked about this when you go and visit foreign countries and you go into museums and for hours upon hours you're looking at the greatest pieces of art ever and eventually oh, you right. become numb right eventually you just want to see a comic book and you know what i mean <laughs> and so there was that moment in there where i felt like i got to step outside and just take a break yeah and because it was there were there was just too much emotion tied up yeah. with each one of those little tables yeah yeah no it was intense and and of course all of them uh or i think i uh casey in addition to being this wonderful painter, you know, uh, uh, and uh, is also an improviser, and I believe I'm saying this correctly, uh, manages, helps to manage the hideout theater. Okay. So one of the things that she does is the, the, these rapid set changes. You know, the show changes, bang. Hmm. She's in there, you know, because they're, they're a very active theater. Sure. Show's done. She's got... Rip it. Yeah, she's got to get this this other stuff down, covered, and a brand new setup. Wow. And they're usually and they're 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 typically, you know, <laughs> quite elaborate, like really nicely done. <laughs> and so, uh, but that she, just she, she and, you have to have no sentimentality there at all. Oh, absolutely. Oh, wow. Well, and you know, her <laughs> the piece that she painted on the wall was painted over. Wow. Yeah, no, that, I didn't that know piece, that. I still that, have pictures of that on the hard drive. That was no, that was that was painted over before the next show. And she also was. I can't uh, imagine, she she yeah. and, and David Fruchter, I think, were the main uh, um, parties involved with setting the tables. Mm. And those were also, I think, you know, there was there was no detail left untended to. When when you hit that table, it was rich with. What did they call it in my literary theory class? Surplus meaning. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There was there were there was no way you could absorb everything, which made it, I think, uh, possible for so many people from. So many different, all well, each person has a different life. So to say so many people from so many different lives is just ridiculous. Can you edit this part out? <laughs> There's not going to be any editing. No. no. But I've been counting on editing. There's no editing. Oh, I don't have the capability. Um, oh. So you got to tell us now about the events that are coming up. Yes. Because there are some, oh, damn, well. You're, you're redoing the Night of the Tarantula. They're doing that again. We are. Why don't we lead off with that? Because okay. I did I did go to that one last year, and oh my God, it was mind blowing. So Absolutely. much fun. Absolutely. Uh, Graham Reynolds, Austin composer, what a band leader, that guy is. musician. Huh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I like to say that after James Brown died, he became the hardest working man in show business. He is. Just... He's always doing something, and his standards are so high. And the sweetest man. Absolutely, sweetest pie, right? <laughs> he, he is one of those guys that has he has the uh, the skills to be a total dick. But there, there doesn't seem to be a, a mean bone in his body. He's no, so he's a sweet, good guy. so nice. Yep. And. I have met him a handful of times, mm-hmm. and he always waves at me as if he knows me. I know yeah. he. I, I know I am just a drop. Uh, in a, uh, in a no, but you know he's he probably recognized. Do, he does. That's, That's so beautiful of him. <laughs> but in any case, Graham Reynolds. Yeah. So Graham, um, and then uh, Lucky Sabila. I, I always mispronounce. I get my Spanish and my Italian all mixed up. 
Uh, but Lucky, I just call him Lucky. Yeah. Uh, from Lucky's Pooches behind the tiniest bar in Texas. You know, these amazing rustic breads that he bakes to order whenever you order a sandwich. Fresh baked bread every sandwich. That's awesome. So anyway, gr- you know, Graham had fallen in love with these sandwiches, and these guys had become friends. And uh, and Graham is also really interested in uh, Puglia, where Lucky is from and where this bread is from. And that's a region in Italy. In Italy, yes. Yes, uh, down, down in the bottom of the boot. Mm-hmm. Maybe the heel? I don't know, but it's down at the bottom for sure, uh, far southern Italy, and um, yeah. So what they put together, such extravagance. So first of all, Graham composed. So so they got together and they talked about, uh, you know, Lucky's memories of Italy. Sort of these the, the 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 Tarantella, which is this song, this this rhythm that really permeates the culture down there and the music down there. Uh, you know, we heard some hip hop that was clearly built off Tarantella. Yeah. Right. That's the rhythm down there. And, um, and, you know, Lucky, you know, what inspires Lucky and there's this whole suite that's about Lucky's mama yep. and, you know, it's beautiful. And, um, so Lucky put together these dishes, Graham created pieces of music to go with each course. Uh, and you know, with, with all of them sort of echoing this Tarantella, Rhythm, you know, food and and uh, music alike. And he plays this rhythm on these these huge Italian tambourines, yes. and those are probably maybe two and a half feet in diameter. Yeah, they're gigantic. Gigantic. Yeah. and they're these special tambourines from Puglia that yeah. this music is played on. And it's such a frantic beat. Mm-hmm. And and I, I looked part of it up. So um, I wrote I wrote about I wrote about that last year, and it mm-hmm. was one of the articles that didn't get posted to the blog, but. It was one of those that has a mythology behind it. Absolutely. So, um, if a wolf spider bit you, mm-hmm. it was supposed to inject you with a toxin that mm-hmm. you could only excise mm-hmm. through vigorous dancing. Mm-hmm. And so they created this this music, mm-hmm. this, this really to possess rapid, you, yes. so that you went into a, so a wild frenzy, purge the toxins, yep. right? And so. When Graham sat down to play that, I had no idea the sound that was going to – you think tambourines, and I think those Mm -hmm. goofy things you see in 80s (laughs) bands. But no, this was like – and you're right. Hip-hop beats are in there. Yeah. He's running on his – and I'm I'm thinking – Well, there's this whole little reggae. So one of the things we discovered is that what Lucky likes in music is reggae. And apparently that's a big thing in Puglia because they're right there. You know, like there's this whole African Ah. influence and – they're tropical, you know. I would it's have a, never guessed. But yeah, apparently it's all about the reggae. So, <laughs> uh, so that's a whole part of this suite of music. You know, Graham Graham wrote an album's worth of music for mm. this event, which was performed once. Right. Uh, you know, so like I say, luxurious. You know, like how often can you be one of the fifty people who ever heard something? And that thing is beautiful and amazing. And you know, last not year, just, you, yeah. uh, Utah Hemrick was playing with him, the Golden Arm Trio. Um, are they doing it this year as well? Yeah, same folks. Uh, boy, I wish I could remember everyone in the band. Um, I believe, you know, I'm not even going to try to say because I'm going to leave some people out, and that's going to be crappy. But look online, <laughs> www.fuseboxfestival.com. There we go. Press the digestible feeds button. Please do. Yes. <laughs> um but yeah, so the dinner, you know, it's three hours, multiple courses, uh, this music that goes with it, and it's and it's really invigorating. And people, people, this is one of those things where looking around the crowd, you just see people brightening up and brightening oh, up yeah. all through the evening. And 
it was it was wonderful and so yeah that's that's going to be actually two day or three days before the festival begins this is going to be sort of our pre-festival opener so something really more for the local supporters right. of the festival uh this uh, uh sunday the the 14th of april at the scottish right theater um normally at those events uh whenever you're there greeting people and things like, i'm i'm usually not jealous of you uh, yeah. Because you're a hardworking man <laughs> when those events happen, yeah. and I can tell. Well, it's um, fun. I, I like it. I know you do. I know yeah. you do. But it, it's it's a job. It's, it's a job, and it, it's uh, it, it's hard work. Greeting everyone, making everyone feel welcome, bringing everyone into the event. Um, that's one where I was a little jealous of you, quite honestly, um, because you were able to walk around, you were able to see everyone's yeah. faces as they were, you know, watching watching Graham and experiencing the food. Right. That was one of the few where I was like, "Damn it, I wish I was Hank." In this the, one. the 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 overview is nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I get. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen this. I'm sure you've done this. <laughs> I'm at these events, and people will say to me, "Are you are you going to sit down? Are you going to eat?" I've in fact said that to you. No, I know, right? I mean, people say this to me all the time, and and uh, it's a testament to your hospitality. Well, you know I, that, to, right? to, to me, you know, I sit down and eat all the time. To, to me, really, what's interesting is the sort of having that feeling we were talking mm. about before, right? Of you've just fed someone, and right. they are absolutely satisfied. So to be able to be there sort of at these final moments where the thing is actually happening yeah. and being able to just, you know, be in that wave of appreciation and uh, uh, pleasure, yeah. you know, <laughs> people, people have a great time. Yeah. Uh, and at this night, especially, I think people had a wonderful time. I do hope that people, people flock to this one. Um, unfortunately, I'm not going to be there for that night. Uh, Sadly, uh, but I do hope people go and check that out. It's something that special. Such well, an event. you know, an album's worth of music now will be played for its second time. Yeah. And let me say, like the the fact that it was only going to be played one time did not affect how much time and energy Graham put into it. The quality is unbelievable. I would never, <laughs> and I hear yeah. Graham play all the time, you know, and yeah. I'm, you know, I'm I'm amazed, you know, yeah, he's amazing, it's awesome. <laughs> But this night, I really, like, my jaw was hitting the floor, like, wow, you did not hold back on this. No. You, you went all the way in. There's such variety in the styles of music. It's amazing. And, and the fact that there's this one rhythm yes. that under, under, it's underpinning uh, the and whole thing, it all together. unbelievable. Yeah. And it's amazing to me to see Graham go from the piano to the percussion, back to the piano, oh, yeah. back to percussion. It's just, really, are you yeah. that big of a polymath? And you're nice, too. Oh, yeah. kills me. That guy. Kills me. And then I go back to playing video games and hating my life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, else, what else can you do? Yeah, exactly. There can only be one Graham Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what are some of the other events this year? I know there are, I think, three others that I'd never... Well, we're doing a, a couple of... So so sort of what I was talking about before about this idea of it not just being the food and the drink that's interesting, but also the ritual and memories and how... Mm. What we do around the table and how it... How it stands as a flag for the best moments, the worst moments, moments of devotion, uh, yeah, moments of uh, all kinds of moments. Um, so one of the things that we're doing this year is we've got two things that revolve around the idea of tea ceremonies. Right. One is based on, uh, or it, it builds on ideas from Japanese tea, tea ceremonies, and the other one builds off of British high tea. Mm -hmm. Very different events. Kirk Lynn from Rude Mechanicals or Rude Mechs. I don't think I've ever seen, I haven't seen Mechanicals in a while. 
Rudmax and then Peter Stupshensky, another, you know, <laughs> amazing uh, uh, band leader, uh, composer, musician from here in Austin. Uh, they've gotten together and they've created this very quiet. Um, well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll describe how they had this idea. And I think it'll give you a sense of, of, uh, of the feeling of it. Kirk had been working on these prayers and not a prayer. I don't, I don't want to try to describe the prayer, but I will, I will try to say a little bit about what it's not. It's not your, your typical sort of, there's, there's no dogma to it. I believe there's no sort of denominational element to it. Uh, there's no sense of it belonging to a particular religion, anything like that. Uh, but just had been working with this, the shape of prayer and the, the, devotion of praying and uh that yeah and then peter had this notebook as i imagine i forget exactly how the story goes but i imagine he has this little notebook he always has in his pocket and it's got zen poems written in it and every time he gets a few minutes he sits down and he writes down a little song <laughs> so it's something like that yeah. it may not be quite as romantic as that but that's how i let's like imagine picture. it is yeah and so they found out that they were both working on these things it made sense that they tried to bring them together and so uh, um yeah we're gonna we're gonna uh go see what they do it's gonna be very small and quiet and lovely uh kirk read some i haven't heard any of the music yet uh but kirk read some of his script and i was really blown away it's gonna be beautiful and uh, and then the other T is going to be also beautiful, but the opposite in a lot of ways. Um, parallel, oh my goodness, parallelogram of phonograph. Okay, I believe is the name of uh, they. I know that they are Austin's premier uh, uh, long form improv troupe. Uh, funny, smart people. Uh, 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 Casey Beeler from, from last year's Sweet Betrayal mm-hmm. uh, is part of it. And then uh, Roy. I don't only know I can only think of Roy Danger. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But, hey, go look on the website. It's www.fuseboxfestival.com. Just click on the Digestible Feeds button. Go to it now. Yeah, you're going to love it. It's got Roy's last name on it. <laughs> <laughs> it Roy's a great guy, too. <laughs> Uh, but so they are collaborating with Jody Elliott, uh, uh, you know, foreign and domestic, extraordinary pastry chef, and creating um, a comedy of manners. Mm. You know, uh, this elaborate tea, uh, uh, Lord Wensleydale's yes. last tea. It's based off of high tea. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So there's there's going to be a great deal of. Uh, ritual and perhaps a little fall for all, I might say. Uh, it's going to be fancy. Is it going to be uh, comedy of errors esque? Is that what yeah, we're talking yeah. about here? Yeah, yeah. Comedy of almost... more comedy of manners, right? Comedy so, of manners. So yeah. looking at status, looking at class. Oscar Wildean. I I, th- I wouldn't be surprised oh. if you find it a touch Wildean. I, I I may like that. I know then. you're prone to finding things. I I would. I don't know it, but I suspect you might be. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Just like yeah. just like every uh, English major. Here, here. You get infatuated with Oscar Wilde. Who That's doesn't? Quite honestly, right? Those are and and those are two that are playing on the 28th. If I believe, is that right? I, I, I'm not sure. We probably should have those dates. In I mean, front my of internet's us. warm. But I tell you what, I will actually insert this into the post. Ah, so all that stuff great. will be there. So, so you can't edit it. 
you can't take out any of the stupid things I say, but you can add in things. That's just the way the thing uh-huh. works. No, I, yeah. <laughs> you can well, I don't it. understand technology, so I have to <laughs> assume that you're telling me the truth. Well, yeah. Uh huh. I just don't have the capability. Hey? No, you're. No, I I'm completely ignorant. At this I understand. Whole well, you're what? Some kind of English professor or yeah, something? Exactly. What do you know so about? What do well, you know about computers? I know the computers. It's a completely <laughs> new thing for me. Of course. Um, and then there's there's one more with with Graham. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So um, Graham is doing a piece last year. Uh, during the festival, Graham and Sonia Cote did a uh, um, a workshop on the Whole Foods roof or mezzanine, rather, uh, free lunch where oh, it was delicious too. It was really good. It's really good <laughs> and extravagant. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, which is both of their styles. They tend towards extravagance in, mm-hmm. in a good way. Um, and it was playing with the idea of miniatures. Graham was pay- playing these small sort of ideas of pieces. And Sonia had put together this antipasti spread. Good goobly goo. It was really good. It was quite a lunch. Yeah. Um, and so quite a free lunch. Yeah. They say there is no such thing. Yeah. To them, I say that's, ah. that's complete nonsense. Yeah. 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 Um, well, of course, I guess it was entirely free. Sponsored by Whole Foods, our friends at Whole Foods. Well, there you go. Um, and so this year they're pulling out the whole shebang it's fully fleshed out we're doing at it at the center for maximum building potential Mm -hmm. which is this amazing place out on uh mlk i had never been there until we started thinking about it as a venue it's it's these folks who are trying to solve a lot of the world's problems Mm -hmm. especially in very poor places with smart design smart building design and and they have some amazing prototypes out there. The the space is wonderful. It's yeah. it's really an amazing place. And so they're gonna the 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 meal is going to sort of move through different parts of the facility. Uh, lot it's I think we'll we'll be outdoors the entire time. Um, and there are so many different wonderful spaces there. So yeah, that one's going to be a blast, and that one is going to play with ideas of sound being echo the the sounds of the food mm. being echoed in the sounds of the music, and, 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 and vice versa. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the sounds of preparation as well. I, I believe there is a um, and, and how that works in. I'll I'll leave, but there are those sounds in there. Okay. Um, one uh, one interesting thing that this that sort of leads me to, as I don't say any more about it, but I'll say this: it's a uh, it's a very rare opportunity to see Graham perform solo. Mm. It's going to be just him. And, uh, I, I was, I was in his studio the other day as he was showing me a, a new toy he'd put together for it. Really? That I think is going to be a lot. Yeah. It sounds wonderful. Now you've got my interest, Pete, yeah. because yeah. I've, I mean, quite honestly, I've heard Sonia and you and Graham and David talk about this for a year and a half. Oh yeah. So I don't know how much more my interest can be peaked. Right. But you're doing I it. I just did it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, I'm not even going to say what the device is, except it sounds wonderful. <laughs> I'm really, it's fun. Cool. Yeah. And, and that, um, yeah, that's, the, and that's the last, last day of the festival. That's right. That's the very, I think that's the 28th. This is something you're going to insert in here. I all know these, that's the all these dates. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be the final uh, event of of the festival of the series. Uh, yeah. The only thing left after that is going out and having some beers. 
Right, and well, that's which we the, like to do. What is the last the, the last thing then that night? Is... Oh, we're just going to the tamale house and oh, having is that some tacos. Yeah, Jesus. it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's gonna be so you know it's twelve days. Everyone's gonna be so happy to just go have a dose keys and a taco. It's yeah. gonna be so good. Now, is that longer than it was last year? No, that's the same. Same thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so there is one other event, uh, and it actually spreads two days, and that's the Fusebox County Fair or Fusebox State Fair. And what we're doing for that is um, uh, Friday and Saturday night out at Blue Genie, uh, Jason Stevens and I, last year, we did these boozy snowballs. Those were good. <laughs> I didn't get one. Oh. There was a, a lot of people didn't. It, they basically disappeared line. in 20 minutes. I, well, I had to teach that next morning. It was I can't remember what time it was, but I had to go. Yeah. It was one of those where I just had to go. Yeah. Well, we're doing them again. We're serving a lot more of them. And we're doing those Friday and Saturday night, um, you know, New Orleans inspired, uh, boozy snowballs. Mm. And, uh, but then also we have salt and time coming out Saturday to do corn dogs. So imagine just like, I, so I have a belief that corn dogs are America's favorite or America's secret favorite food. Really? That, what makes that, you say that, that if you ask someone, Hey, what's your favorite food? Yeah. That rarely are they going to say corn dogs, but then if you say, "What about corn dogs?" They're going to be like, "Oh my god." I do like a corn I dog. I love corn dogs. I do like a good corn I dog. I think it's something that most of us really love. And it's one, you know, if you're a vegetarian, then you're eating those tofu corn dogs, if you're, you know, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter cuz it's, you know, tube meat covered in cornbread. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh so anyway, especially when Salt and Time does it. Salt and Time, that's Austin's premier butcher shop and Salumeria. Mm. Uh, I love what they do. You know, they've been making, uh, and really this idea came out of once they set up outside of this office. I worked on on the East side during South by Southwest and they serve these amazing mortadella hot dogs mm. with their bison hard chili. It was crazy good. Oh wow. But so anyway, they've been great and are going to come out and do some, some, uh, it's just the best corn dogs any of us have ever had. Uh, uh, foot Patrol's playing Saturday night, and Foot Patrol is Austin's premier mm-hmm. foot fetish funk band. Uh, they're a lot of fun. Uh, just some of the funkiest, funkiest funk ever. Um, Blue Genie, you know, has uh, got all kinds of fancy stuff up their sleeves. You know, they make all of these beautiful pieces, and so I suspect we'll see some some uh, midway delights coming awesome. out of their shop as well um is the county fair or the state fair i don't want to get it incorrect. i think it's state fair yeah <laughs> i said county fair first but i think it's state fair is that unique to this year yes this is the first time okay yeah, yeah. and uh uh you know it just makes sense made sense that uh well blue genie has such a festival y you know why not play with this idea yeah uh and uh yeah and there are going to be some other wonderful surprises there that's going to be a very fun event and and that's one that sort of breaks out of this idea of collaboration and just goes into okay let's try to make a very cool event with really awesome food at it yeah you know which is also fun wow that's really cool you know <laughs> yeah. i I, hadn't have, I don't think i've read anything about it on the on the website i mean oh, okay. the, actually the website just came up what just last week yeah yeah so i haven't had time to delve into it sure um, sure. but that sounds so really there, you awesome. know there are over 50 shows this year that's so insane uh, overall so how can you yeah 
Yeah. It takes a little while to digest it all, it if, does. if it ever happens. Yeah. That's why I would just go to the website and click on the Digestible Feats button and just simplify things No, I think that's the yourself. best course of action. <laughs> well, we're right at 47 minutes, Hank. Okay. Um, so I, I think maybe the thing that I want to end with is um, what are some tips you'd have for festival goers when they go to the Fuse Box and specifically Digestible Feats? So, Well, I would say one, one tip uh, for the whole festival just everything, including digestible feats, is see everything you can. Mm-hmm. It's a rare opportunity. Uh, Ron has brought in people from all around the world. The, a third of the programming is international. A third is national. A third is local. This is really a, a cream of the crop kind of festival. Uh, I've seen I've seen things here that, yeah, just I, I never would have had a chance to see otherwise. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, get a pass and just, just make a point of going out every night and seeing at least a show. You will not regret it. Um, such amazing stuff. Keep an eye out. You know, one of the things this year that's changed is that if you buy a pass, you get to come to digestible feats events on that pass. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah. So that's that a, is a good deal. That's a really good deal. I'm going to tell you to go to fuseboxfestival.com and click on digestible feats and buy a pass <laughs> because a pass. that is a hell of a deal. That's a, yeah, that's a crazy deal. I hate to be the color commentator, but I almost have to be. Well, here. and this is this going back to this whole idea that, you know, so much creative work is subsidized through private supporters. And, you know, that's another great thing. If anyone out there is, you know, very wealthy and would like to support. Digestible feeds. Give me a call. It is a nonprofit organization. <laughs> it absolutely can, is a nonprofit you can organization. <laughs> use it as a tax deduction on yes. your on your income tax That's at the correct. end of the year. That's yeah. correct. That's correct. And uh, it does bring a lot of really amazing work to Austin. You know, fifty five fifty five plus shows in twenty different venues. It is amazing. Twenty plus venues over twelve days. There's, and in, it's and a, really it's unique stunning. performances too. Absolutely. Not just straight theater. Not straight music. But really these hybrid, to use your term, yeah. to, these hybrid performances. Well, I, I think that it's really difficult to, to walk out of a fuse box performance and say, that was theater. That was dance. Very that, true. It's, it's always something else. And, even at the, <laughs> and that doesn't mean it's not fun. Yeah. You know, there, there are plenty of shows that are really fun and plenty of shows that are also very cerebral and really innovative and all of that. But this, this, this hybridity, I think, actually contributes to just a more fuller, just a more fuller, that's nice, <laughs> to a more immersive, uh, uh, fuller experience of just any show. And if I can add to that, too, there, yeah. were, there was, I think, one, one show that we went to last year, and I'm obviously not going to mention it, but there was one that just didn't, for me, didn't hit the mark. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just personally, it didn't hit the mark. When that's going to happen? 55 shows? I spent shows? two hours talking about yeah, it. Exactly. So even <laughs> in the show where I was least pleased, where I felt right. like, ah, oh, it just didn't do it for me, two hours later, I'm still talking about the yeah. damn thing. Yeah. Um, so even at those shows, yeah. you and, still... And I, think, and, I'm, and I feel quite confident that Ron would consider that a, a curatorial success. I do, too. That, that, know, uh, that a conversation... Because that's, that's one big thing about Fusebox is... How do we stimulate conversation? You know, and that's another thing I would say as a as a pro tip to enjoy the festival. Go to the after hours. Mm. You know, we're just going to be going to – you'll always know what bar everyone is going to. Sometimes there will be programming like music or something. Sometimes it's just going to be we're going to a great bar that has a big patio and some yeah. cheap drinks. And come out and talk to people. Yeah. That's one of my favorite parts of the whole festival. Is these people are from all over the world, both audience members and performers, 
and I have just these great conversations. And, you know, sometimes they're about a show we saw. Sometimes it's about something Whatever. else. But really, that's, I think, a really important part of what the festival and I can't, offers. I can't say how heartily I second that. Yeah. I mean, one of the, to be quite honest, one of the reasons that we decided to move to Austin mm. was because of how hospitable and welcoming people were. Right. So at these festivals, especially if you go to the hub afterwards or if you go to mm-hmm. the after party, mm-hmm. you're going to see familiar faces. Yeah. Say hi. Oh, yeah. I no, mean, it's it's like people, summer camp. It is. Like by the time this is all done, you will have been running around all these different places doing all this different stuff, and you will be seeing the same people, and when it is over, you will be sad to see them go. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel that every time. It's like, oh, this is my fuse box. Pe- these are my fuse box people. I'm probably... Only going to see them a couple times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you'll almost be trading baseball cards at the hub. Yeah, oh, yeah. What did you see? Did you see this? Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't get that. No, I didn't get – did you get that? Mm -hmm, I did get mm -hmm. that. You missed it. Well, that's where you'll get your tips for what to see next is you'll start being able to build your own – everyone's seen something different that night. You know, there's lots of stuff happening. And uh, you'll start to hear what's the show that everyone is saying, oh, my goodness, that was stunning. Like, don't miss it. I'm going to go ahead and say that now that Tarantula, you have to go see that. That only plays once. It's once? Yeah, just once. Well, a lot of these uh, digestible feeds things are one-offs. They're yeah. one-time events. Yeah. You, It's now or never. It's now or never, people. That's it. Fuseboxfestival.com, digestible feats. Get your tickets. Do it. Hank, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing this for me. My pleasure. And um, I'm going to go ahead and put this invitation out there. Future podcasts, we got to talk about some other stuff, buddy. We got to talk it. about uh, some of the things we were talking about earlier at dinner. Yeah. Talk about uh, philosophy and religion. Mm-hmm. And uh, Can pedagogy. we talk about booze? I, I really want to talk about booze. Let's talk about booze. Here's the problem. Okay. I feel completely ignorant when I talk to you about booze. Oh, that's okay. That I makes feel me like feel a good. Child. That I makes really me feel good. I really feel so stupid. That's nice. I like that. Good. Yeah. That sounds fun for me. Let's do that. Good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, fuseboxfestival.com, digestible feats. Hank Cathy, thank you, sir. Thank you.